You, you good? All right. All right, guys. You guys shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulties and two hours of nonsense, but we're here. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, people of all ages, witches and werewolves, and, of course, always, the honey badger. This is episode 15 of The Modern Recordist. Another episode with some live in-studio guests of my podcast where I sit down with rock bands, musicians, songwriters, producers, creatives around Nashville and beyond, and talk about what it's like being a modern recordist and where you get creativity, inspiration, living your life of an artistic visionary. And uh, this, uh, this week, I've got Ted Fox with me in the studio with his bandmate Rico and uh we're gonna party it's gonna be awesome um yeah we're doing a little night show it's like it's evening now I got my white shoes on on a Saturday night and you guys are gonna rock us out and it's gonna be a good time thanks for being here yeah thanks for having us out this is awesome 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 well cool you know what let's just get right into it all right you guys want to play in with a song let's Let's do do it cool Alright, this is a song called Maiden. This river marks the path which I won't return Beneath clouds of snowing ashes From bodies that we burn As holy right I'll be the note to the pious In the sky Creatures in the night as cold and black as sleep Pregnant with electric, laden laurel hay I laid with ancient demons, pursued beyond the grave I think it's time, this child was left to Drifting in the weeds In the belly of a wave that caught The king with all his armor on I drift on warmth of lunar Waves of foam On seas that never ever took A single pilgrim home Worship the dead 
that song that song's called maiden killer killer mm-hmm. well thanks for uh, like i said thanks for being here mm-hmm. thanks for jamming us in with that song it's a treat tonight i should have mentioned this in the intro but uh so episode 15 this is going to be the uh, last episode we do before we take a little month hiatus and uh it's a treat to have old friends both of you mm-hmm. are like old friends Old musical friends going way collaborations back. going way back. So it's like to the beginning. It, we got like we've got a actually we've got a studio full of friends tonight. There's a lot of people uh-huh. here tonight that are uh, that are that are friends. So it's great to. Uh, it's a very to, safe place right now. It's a very safe place. Warm. I feel I feel really comfortable and just really. <laughs> Just relaxed and I'm like I'm glad very... with the decision to take shirts off. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah. It's like settling yeah. into a warm bath. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, man. it's going there, isn't it? <laughs> there, well, there was a there was another episode I had actually um, where we we kind of started to get a little inappropriate once before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it involved something about somebody said that they that they they were going to lick the audience or something like that. <laughs> um, well. That, uh, we're gonna it, lick it, the producer it, oh is that right <laughs> get ready that's uh parish is the producer got even tonight. better oh that's another thing i forgot to mention parish welcome back hey everybody yeah i'm it, I'm, I'm not uh, the last few several episodes i've been uh i've been doing solo uh and uh i got my buddy parish back in the studio with me today running the sound and all that accepting licks yeah right (laughs) done and done awesome so yeah it's a treat to have you guys uh uh kind of play us uh do our it's not you know our sort of like show into our hiatus kind of uh our our month-long deal so yeah thanks for being here and doing that Uh, yeah we're happy to see you out Yeah. yeah awesome so all right tell me about so you know you and i ted have uh we've played music in the past yeah we've collaborated in the past um, fellow Ibanez, you the guy that got me into. I see you're rocking your Ibanez, still rocking the Ibanez. Yeah, yeah. after <laughs> 20 years, yeah. still rocking the Ibanez. Uh, you're the guy that got me in. I remember when we were like, so this is sorry. Ted was my first. Yeah, you were like, I guess my first band. Yeah, uh-huh, right? the Two of us. Yeah. It was you and me, like you, the the first band ever that I was ever in. And going so far back that I remember when we discovered power chords together. Well, see, no, that's a big. This, right, I'm glad you brought that up because this is a big deal for me, right? Uh-huh. You are the guy 
that told me about power chords. I remember. remember, (laughs) Yes. So like, I remember it was like, you know, it was, I don't know how long ago. It was a long time ago. And, 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 uh, you and I had been kind of sort of like, I guess, collaborating, sort of like learning guitar on our own. They like collaborating a little bit. And then remember you pulled me aside when you're like, dude, okay, here's this thing. It's called power chords. You just, you can do like, all you got to do is like make this shape with your fingers and you can just like, you can like, you can play anything. Like you can just like, it's the same all over the guitar. It blew my mind. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, huh? I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. You know, and you're like, you're like, you're like, like, no, really come over to my house. We'll jam. I will show you this afternoon. And like that afternoon I was like, what what does it mean and then and then i and then I, I i proceeded to put on every record that i owned this is like probably this is probably 92 or 93 and i went proceeded to go through every record that i owned at that era of time all the music that was like popular at the time and go i can play anything i was like i was like immediately like play every every song so yeah our um our uh um endeavors in uh the beginning of our musical journey so here we are I don't know, 20 years later, whatever, still rocking the Ibanez. You told uh-huh. me, dude, you got to get an Ibanez guitar. That's what you got to do. I'm like, <laughs> and I came, again, it was like I came into your house, you're jamming the Ibanez. I'm like, yeah, I got to get an Ibanez guitar. You're right. That's exactly what I have to do. So, And people have been trying to talk me out of Ibanez's ever since. I still got them. Yeah, there you go. So, okay. So, you know, every now and again, we throw out these endorsements. You know, these Ibanez, if you're listening, you know. Send some money. Send some yeah, guitars send over. I don't yeah. think anybody else really wants it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I might take an Ibanez, man. Like, what's that one that, uh, it's like the Iceman or something? I've always wanted one of those. There's remember, some awesome ones. Remember that? Yeah. It's like the white like, zombie model? Uh, it might be, but didn't like somebody from Kiss play it or something too? It was like yeah. that weird sort of looking, not like a, um, Explore, but it had sort of like maybe the Explorer right. look like and a, it had lightning like bolts on v. it. It's like a flying V and an Explorer. Yeah, something Paul like Stanley yeah, that. yeah, something like that. I, I think those are pretty cool, man. <laughs> I'd take one of those. I still got my Ibanez too, by the way. I got mine too. Yeah, let's rock. We have to play some power chords. Together. Yeah, I know. Let's 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 have a reunion. I think uh, we can bring out our old band and do a reunion. I might be able to remember. I can still remember the this one riff of this song that I don't even remember what the song was or anything or how it all went. I just remember the one like riff and I could still bust that out right now. Right. And we can like, we'll have to, we'll Will have you do, to do it live on air. Well, I mean, I probably could. We got, I want to, there's hear lots it. of guitars around. We might, that might happen. Okay, that might happen. happen. I don't want to steal a spotlight though. Cause I want this, <laughs> I want this to be about you guys, right. but uh, you know, that's just, um, that's some good nostalgia there, man. Are you yeah. still, are you tell me you're not still anti uh, Stratocasters? Are you still anti? No, no, I've okay. I've taken on the Strat. Oh look, I've you got, own a Strat now. Mm-hmm. I've gotten okay. over that that whole thing. That's that good. Was... That was some dark days, my friend. I'm glad you've seen the light. You know, like whatever it took for that to like uh, to, to get. Well, through it's that. funny because in those days I was such a huge Billy Corgan fan. But, yeah, uh, I don't even remember why I got on that board on that train. Yeah. But, uh, you and me both, see, like Billy Corgan, that's the reason that like that's the reason that I went to Strats because it was like that's all he was playing and I'm just like, you know, I've gotta have a strat, you know. It's specifically the one like the era of like the big headstock, you know? Right. Like oh, yeah. but but like for a while they weren't you know, now they're back in. Mm. You know, strat all strats have that, but like for a good like from like the seventies to probably the early two thousands, they had got a, got rid of that, you know. Mm-hmm. So they're hard to find, but yeah, that's what got me on the strap bandwagon. I remember you and I getting into some debates about it. And then some of our friends, 
you were like, dude, man, dude, dude, you can't believe this. Dude's playing a strat. <laughs> he's out. You know, he's out of the bed. He's playing a strat, man. That's not. What's up? We got to talk to him about he this. Doesn't that's no crap. power chords. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he probably plays like a C and a G. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. 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 That's all good. We'll we'll beep it. We'll beep Dude, it. I remember. We'll beep it. No, it's funny. Speaking like nostalgia. Uh, un- unfortunately, you can't win the prize because the prize has already been taken. Lucky uh-huh. episode uh lucky number 13. So perfect. That was the first episode ever where uh there was a lot ended up being a lot of swearing. We beeped it out and it's funny. It's no big deal, but it's just funny that it was lucky number 13 that that mm-hmm. happened on. Don't worry about it. Just I'm, just, you I'll know. I'll do my best. Look, gonna... I you know, I, we're going to have to you know, there's going to be penance to pay for it. Okay. <laughs> you know, maybe smash a toe or something like that. But just don't let it happen again. Right. So cool. And it's good to be sitting in the room with you again, Rico, yeah. after, you know, we've, it's been it's been a little bit since we've years. been in the studio. But you and I have been, um, we have. Well, this isn't our first time together no, in the studio. No. Yeah, studio. We, um, we've we had a good time uh, back at my old place. Back out of the farm, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Already too many years ago, I guess. Yeah. It's weird. So... It's uh, it's good stuff, man. Yeah, man. yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad to see you guys are collaborating together. Mm-hmm. So tell me about um, how did we get here? Like, how did we get to uh, to where the project you're on now, and you two working together, and you know, talk about that process. Yeah, a little bit. well, you know, there's like sort of the long story and the and the short story. Um, well, look, we got a lot of time. <laughs> saying, yeah. We, we got we got plenty of time. We got about so, an hour and twenty to fill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about, the long, how about the long story? Right. <laughs> well, uh, I, the the songs that we're doing now um, started out just kind of as an experiment. When I first went to Belmont, I discovered this guy, Mississippi John Hurt. And I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, within like certain circles, he's considered like the grandfather of uh, American music. Um, he, he's got a cool story. Actually, I should start with his story okay. because his story is awesome. Um he uh, he was this guy who just uh, born in Mississippi, like before the turn of the century, like super super old South, dirt poor, um, and he uh, he he kind of his, his mom apparently was friends with this guy who would travel around and play the old blues. This is like right when the you know Delta players were first starting to combine uh-huh. guitar with like gospel and okay. stuff like that. Right right when that was just beginning. Okay. And uh, you know his his mom had some friend who'd come play guitar, and he when they'd go to bed he'd sneak out and like kind of try and learn how to play it and start learning it by ear. And his mom eventually bought him a guitar for like a dollar or something. Uh-huh. And uh, anyway, so he he just starts writing songs and playing them uh, right before the depression. Someone finally recorded a bunch of his songs. Okay, and uh, and it was the depression. There was no money for new artists, and yeah. he just got forgotten about. Sure. But then fast forward later to like the 60s and 70s when, uh, you know, all these folk musicians were like Bob Dylan, Joan Baez, you know, all these people were starting to get big. Um, And what had happened with him was like those few records that he recorded, they became like these cult things where like you couldn't find them anywhere. And people would have these Mississippi John Hurt record parties and like go to each other's houses and listen. Yeah. And uh, and so as people started interviewing all these big artists, they always list him as a major influence. And. And nobody knew what had happened to him. And so finally this one like producer in Chicago was like, I wonder, where is this guy? Uh-huh. And so he like, he goes through the song lyrics and gets like, you know, Mississippi from his name, the county name from some song, a city name from a different song. Oh, really? And he's just like dissecting all these songs and figuring out, yeah. being a detective based on what he's singing about. So. Right. And so Crazy. he looks in the phone book okay. and there's only one number listed for the whole city. 
And so he calls that number, and it's like a little shop, you know, like the grocery store or whatever. And he's like, I'm looking for a man named John Hurt who, you know, sings songs or whatever. And, and they're like, oh, John Hurt out in the fields, <laughs> you know, with yeah. the cattle. So he, like, sits on the phone for, like, three hours while they go get this guy out of the fields. And he comes back, and he's like, you know, are, are you, is this John Hurt who wrote these songs? And the guy's like, yeah, that's me. And he's like, you don't know this, but you're crazy famous. And so he, like, starts going out on tours, like, you know, headlining, like Bob Dylan. So now what year is this now? This would be, like, the late 60s, early 70s or something. Um, So, like, Bob Dylan's, like, opening for him and, like, headlining him. He's, like, this huge thing. And he has a heart attack and dies after, like, three years of knowing about his his fame. Okay. But, But, like, from age 20 to 70... You know, he just, he yeah. he had no idea. He, like, worked for the train track, you know, on the yeah. railroad, were, like, herding cattle. And, and anyway, so because he had all this fame, he, uh, he's, a lot of people call him the grandfather of American music because he was right there during the creation of, like, the guitar and the Delta sound. And uh, anyway, so when I got to uh, college, the music college, that I guess all three of us went to. Indeed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's true. Belmont, I, I met this guy who was a classical guitar major. He turned me on to him, and I kind of started learning that the like John Hurt, Mississippi John Hurt, like created this guitar playing style. Okay. Um, and it was really interesting. I might I might do just like a little demonstration. Yeah, he does, do it. He does uh, what he does that's so interesting is he keeps a bass line going with his thumb. Yeah. Uh huh. Just kind of like that, and then he uses these other three fingers to play like a. You know, like a little okay. melody. Yeah, sure, and right. So then you put them together, and it's like. Yeah. So yeah, that. So yeah. he did that so that he could like have his own bass and his own rhythm sure. and sing. And, yeah. And uh, anyway, so I was just like, that's so cool. You know, I want to learn how to do that. And as I started learning it and kind of getting good with it, I, you know, I'm I'm a child of the Smashing Pumpkins and the grunge yeah. movement. I was like, this this needs to be darker and it needs to get bigger and more yeah, epic. Yeah. Cool. And so I started kind of just experimenting to see if it would be possible to combine that old bluegrass sound with, you know, the distortion pedals. And, yeah. and by then I was into Mogwai and, and more post-rock sure. bands. Okay. So I wanted to get the ethereal, echoey guitars in and and just kind of combine that with everything, you know, that I had been doing. Yeah. And just for, I guess that was around 2000. And, you know, I've been playing in these bands with Rico and, and Parrish and all these different people and always in the back of my mind, I kind of had this experiment going, you know, for yeah. 15 years now. Okay. And, uh, and then I don't, I don't know, I guess it was like a, a few years ago, I just figured out, all right, this is, this is definitely time to do this. And it's, it's, been, it's been like two and a half years or something. I've been putting okay. this, uh, album together and recording it, getting the songs right, bringing good musicians in that I've known a long time, yeah. like Rico and, uh, and, uh, it's, it's just kind of slowly been coming together. We're just getting to the point where we're playing shows and, uh, and uh, doing podcasts with with cool people that I've known yeah. for a long time, <laughs> yeah. so I, it's it's real exciting, you know, it's yeah. because it, it was something I did that I, you know, the when I was focused on other things, I was trying to get you know like the sort of the post rock vibe going. I right. felt like that was what I was supposed to be doing, and and this was always something I was doing just for fun, and now okay. now it's the main thing, and I really love it. Yeah, I'm having a blast. Yeah, that's killer, man. I um I uh it it um it is a little bit of like because you know our background like influences of music and you and me it's so similar and like you know the grunge stuff and the smashing pumpkins and like all that and like heavy distortion pedals and all that stuff and so then it's just interesting like then you've got this other place that you like got interested in and like pulled from it and just yeah it's cool that you went down you went down there and yeah man that's awesome so it's like 
um, what, like, what led you to really get interested? Like, what led you to get interested in that? Like, to go to to just sort of like take this such a divergence from like what you're been you have been doing for a long time. It's just an interesting. Like, I like the amalgamation of it, and mm-hmm. you're like you know just like unpack that mindset a little bit like how you're like oh i'm gonna you go over here and get this sort of other influence going and then you have this what is it like in your mind where you're like i want to try and put these two things together right you know? well well it just it started you know like i said when i when i got to belmont it's this music college um you know growing up in nashville i had just absolutely detested country music you know uh-huh. i just I, it was the enemy i hated it um I really kind of hated everything about southern culture in general and uh when I got to Belmont, you know, I'd meet these musicians from all over the country who were really into things like Bob Dylan and Hank Williams Sr. and Johnny Cash and, and all this stuff that I yeah. had never just never, I wouldn't even listen to it, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, you know, at, at Belmont, what ends up happening at night is all the really, really, like most talented musicians I've ever met in my life uh, will just be huddled up in these living rooms, you know, smoking weed, drinking beer and, uh, mm-hmm. and just playing. And I was, I've never seen musicianship like that, you know, before in my life yeah. and they'd always be playing you know like bob dylan and stuff and yeah so slowly just sort of being in those hazy rooms and sitting around listening to it you just it, absorbed it It started to grow on me yeah. i started to really love bob dylan yeah. Hank senior you know like all these things that i'd never really right. given a shot before because i was all you know just grunge and then post-rock was what i was in you know yeah. around 2000 i think happy songs for happy people was like the ultimate album to yeah me from mogwai and yeah. i just wasn't I, I had no interest what year in did bob that dylan. one come out i want to say that was like 99 maybe okay 98 okay it might have been 2000 it okay. was it was i might not have the time scale exactly yeah. right but that was the kind of thing i was into and then just slowly hanging out with all these people um it just started to grow on me and i started to just kind of see it as its own thing and yeah and uh but it was so opposite from what i was doing that i really i really considered them completely separate is it do you find that maybe it's kind of like you're doing this one thing for so long that you you, you get sort of you're like just sort of can't see the forest or the trees anymore. And you're just sort of like looking for, I mean, I don't want to like impose an idea on you, but this is like sort of my experience, you know, even kind of recently, even like it's been about sort of this thing that I've always had, right. This like type of music or like space, creative space. I've always kind of played around in it just like, Oh man, you know, I'm, I'm I'm like, I'm kind of stuck. Yeah. Because Uh I, I mean, it's just what what else? I mean, I, my mind is so full of this style. I was just like, I feel like I'm repeating myself, right. or like, you know. And then and then it's just sort of all of a sudden you're just like it, obscure things that they were kind of like obscure to you become interesting or something. You right. Know? Yeah. I kind of had a similar experience with you of you know because I don't know the grunge stuff. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of the grunge stuff was kind of this this sort of uh, uh, rebellion against the things that had become a little bit more slick. So like, you know, like you, some are like the hair metal bands of the eighties or like the more kind of like poppy stuff leading up to it. And then you had the grunge stuff that came around that was like, you know, kind of like, let's just, let's go anti slick. Right. You know, but then you've got these other guys in there, like the smashing pumpkins and be producers like butch big and people like that, that were like, um, kind of, marrying the two together almost like they were still like kind of making it 
it was still like this like slick kind of produced up music but the, mm-hmm. but then in a, like a, a sort of had this visceral sort of like way about it you know right and and that was what was really inspiring to me you know um there was a like a certain level of of kind of produced stuff right. it's not you know? as sloppy as a lot of the punk stuff that was going yeah. on outside yeah. of the mainstream right so you had time. exactly you had like like you had it's sort of like you had punk and then you had post-punk and shoegaze, which was sort of like, oh, well, here's this punk thing, but we're going to make it a little bit more palatable or something mm-hmm. and put like a little bit more music. It's got sort of a little bit more melodic, a little bit more structured, and a little bit more musicianship, you know, right? steeped into it. And then the American version was kind of like the grunge thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just you sort of have like uh, the CBGB sort of punk thing going on, but then you had the grunge thing going on, which was, which was like pretty... It had punk going, yeah, punk influence or whatever, but it was there was something about it that was just a little bit more kind of palatable or slick or, yeah, or I mean, accessible. I'm, I'm thinking of like in the grunge movement, like pavement. They're a lot more yeah. sloppy. It's not, and in a great way, I love yeah, it, but yeah. it's it's not as uh, polished as yeah. you know, some of the bigger bands like Nirvana or Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like so, and it's funny. So like Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins, like Nirvana, Nevermind, when Nirvana blew up that record. And then Smashing Pumpkins, both Butch Vig. And Butch Vig was known for being a guy who was like trying to be very slick and like be at the time, like really wanted to be this guy who like produced stuff up and made it really slick. If you ever watched, there's a, um, I've only seen snippets of it. Apparently, I guess it's a, some kind of Butch Vig Nirvana documentary thing or whatever. I've seen snippets of it on YouTube. Somehow, I don't know how I get to it. Somehow, like I guess when I'm going down the rabbit hole, like Butch Vig and producers or whatever, and this thing popped up, and it was Butch Vig sitting at the board, and they were like, he was pulling up the multi tracks of of you know some of the songs off of Nevermind, and he was, but he was talking about you know here's Kurt's vocal, and then here's where you know we doubled it and tripled it, and then we put Dave Grohl in there and like doubled up there, and we were like kind of filling out the vocal, making it a little bit more slick, and he's like, I had to really talk with Kurt and get him warmed to this idea because. You know, I was in this place where I really wanted to kind of polish things up, you know, and Kurt was not comfortable with that. And he was talking about how he was like, well, the way I'd always get him to do it was I'd say, you know, John Lennon, he would double track things, you know. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just you had like Butch Vig was doing that, you know, and then there's like then there's other guys like Terry Date and other producers that were of that era, um, uh, uh, Brendan O'Brien and stuff. I mean, I guess like I guess. uh, uh, Pearl Jam, their stuff, early stuff was a little bit more slick, but it's still like m- kind of more visceral, you know, it's somewhere in between like the punk stuff and the other stuff. And that's kind of like where I came from, right? Mm-hmm. You know, something that was like had a certain amount of slickness to it, but it, was, it wasn't completely punk, right? But it wasn't totally like some real slick, polished up pop thing, mm-hmm. you know? But then somewhere along the line, it's like, I just got really interested in kind of what you're the stuff that you described. Right. And just that, that just like how raw can it get, mm-hmm. you know? And I got really into that idea. And I think that, I think that um, maybe some of it had to do with when I got into the studio, started doing the studio gig and working with lots of different producers. And then there was some records that were just a great experience for me and some producers that really uh, took me under their wing and taught me some things. And, it was just seeing how they did it always. There was always sort of this kind of more of a visceral kind of um, let's, let's like make it raw and hum- it's about being raw and human, you know? And like, mm-hmm. 
let's drop the click track. Let's, let's, you know, Hey, it's sped up in that section, whatever. I mean, that's the way that people were vibing on it. You know, like that's how the musicians wanted to vibe on it. So let's let it speed up. And I got into that and it sort of like, it kind of shaped me and I kind of like, you know, and then like even, you know, Jack White doing his thing and like, I'm friends with some of the people who have worked on those records and like just knowing like the aesthetic of it, I just sort of like it seeped into me as well, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, and that's kind of, I don't know. It's like you find where you're like, I don't even know where to go anymore. Cause it's just, I'm so in this. So you just like, and part of it too, for me is picking up the guitar. I'm like, I don't even know what to do with the guitar right. anymore. Uh-huh. You know? So I start like turning on synthesizers and just like doing weird stuff with them. Yeah. It's like, you can hit one key on a synthesizer and go, that sounds like something really cool. <laughs> I don't know what it's doing. You know, it's like, because you don't know, like it's back in the, like the power chord days, uh-huh. you know, when we're riffing all those stuff and come up with cool riffs, you know, mm-hmm. and playing on power chords, like we don't really know what we're doing. And part of the magic of it, like, is just doing like, you don't really know what you're doing. Right. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I've had to do a lot of that with uh, alternate tunings. You yeah. Know? I have to get to where I don't know what notes I'm playing yeah. sometimes because yeah. I'll just start doing the math of like, which, which notes come in, you know, which can, yeah. notes can I play? And and, and it's like, like something like just in your brain, this like this part of your brain is just programmed and your hands just kind of do the same stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So if you change the neck of the guitar around to where when your hands do those things, it's something different. Mm-hmm. I love alternate tunings, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys know Archie Bronson Outfit, that, that band? No. Archie Bronson Outfit. Um, there was a friend of mine produced a record for them. It's a long time ago at this point, I guess. But um, it, you should check it out. What's the name of that? Durdang Durdang is the name of this record. And they've actually got a lot of their records are awesome. Like these, this band, you can probably listen to any of their records, really. But um, they mess around with these alternate guitar tunings and stuff. And it's just really like, it, I always remember when I listen to it, you know, that and like, and like My Bloody Valentine, mm-hmm. the Loveless record. Anytime somebody's like taking the guitar and like messing up, like Thurston Moore. Frankenstein's out all these guitars, you know, and it's just like it now it's not really a guitar anymore. It's like something else. Uh-huh. You know, I that's love that. Cool. Yeah. You know. So that's cool. Are you messing yeah. around with a lot of alternate tunings on this stuff you're doing yeah, now? Yeah, which uh, you know, which I've been doing for a while and and I really like doing that, but when it when it comes time to perform live, it gets to be such a pain because you gotta find enough guitars that you could it's like radically different. Oh yeah. You so, don't you don't want to take all that time to tune, you know, the right. same guitar and so then you gotta like so Borrow like you, you have a lot of different tune. You don't you you're kind of like using a lot of different tunings across lots of different songs, huh? right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean there's there's four or five different tunings on this album of twelve songs, I think. So okay. Um. So I really I, I still do that a whole lot. Um, cool. Yeah, and I just I like it. It helps me, you know, just get outside of yeah what I'm stuck with and do something besides power chords. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of is that sort of. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's like a good way to kind of like segue into like your writing process and how you approach it and like this body of work and what you're doing now, you know, pulling in those influences, where you're coming from and how this you're shaping this, where your mind is. Um, kind of talk about your your writing process. How do you how do you approach that when you do you sit down and start on the guitar or what do you do? Well, I mean, I think the the number one enemy for me is getting where you're talking about where like the guitar's sitting there and you don't even want to pick it up, you know, cuz it's just it's not fun anymore. Uh-huh. And there's a paradox with getting stuck with the same stuff because for one, you feel like you can't do anything new, but then the second you start doing something, you judge by like these uh you have these these pillars of how it has to be 
And so then you won't allow yourself to do other things because like, oh no, that's not cool. Or that doesn't, you know, that doesn't fit what I'm trying to go for. And you mm-hmm. can start like dismissing ideas as well. So it's like, it's really double bad because uh-huh. you, you're, you're not going down certain avenues in the first place. And then the few things you allow yourself to do, you're then taking it away from yourself because they're not, you know, they're not fitting that format you're trying to get away from in the first place, yeah. you know? And so that can be a nightmare. So for me, I, uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of success with just, um, you know, having like a movie on. So like the okay. soundtrack will be like up loud and I'll just kind of be messing around with the stuff that I normally do. But as the soundtrack is going, I'll start hearing notes that I'm not playing okay. and it kind of contrasts. I've also had good luck with, uh, putting like an iPod on, um, you know, shuffle in another room where I can't really hear it that okay. well. And then having the TV on and I've just found I'll stumble huh. across things as I'm playing. They'll be playing notes that aren't in the key. Or so you're putting on like you're putting on stuff. an iPod on an on a stereo, turning that mm-hmm. up, going to another room, turn on a TV, turning that up, and then just playing what I normally sounds like. Would. You're like you're like composing music in an MK Ultra chamber. <laughs> yeah. Well, well no, the main reason I do it is because then you're getting fed with all these rhythms and notes that aren't in the scale and the rhythm. Yeah, I, I get it. It, it. That is because I've noticed sometimes I've had experiences like that where you've got something on in the other room and you walk around and it sounds like a kind of like a different song. It's like right. interesting how it just it psychologically hits your ear differently or something that's a cool idea man i like that then you'll you know say you have a melody in your head and then you'll hear the thing in the other room do something different and you're like oh whoa i could do that with that melody and and so usually when when i hear something that i really like like that the writing process is pretty quick after that okay and and say with lyrics as well once i get a first line usually it's real quick now sometimes I'll get a riff and it, it definitely sounds to me like a chorus or something. And then going back and trying to come up with a verse that leads, that's going to be a nightmare. Okay. I'll sit with songs for months sometimes okay. that way. Um, but usually if I get an idea about how the song will start, it goes real fast. And those are always the songs that I like the most where it's almost like I didn't even write it, you know, like, yeah. like almost I'm remembering it from the past yeah. or something. Yeah. There's, you know? there's, I've heard people talk about like that you, this idea of like you're not really writing songs, you're just discovering them or something mm-hmm. like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I'm in that mode, that's the that's my favorite mode to okay. be in for sure. Um, it doesn't always work out that well. Sometimes you have to sit with a song for a very long time. But What's the longest you've ever had to... Well, I mean, these songs in particular, some of them were getting changed up until very recently that I started when I first went to uh, college in 2000. So some of these songs were like in the works for 15 years. Okay. You know, Um so I'd say that's the long. I've never I've never spent any longer than that on a song. But you know, I think like the very the very first song that I remember having like sort of start to finish put together for this album. It's called Drop It to Mania. I won't be playing it today, but it'll be on the album. And uh, that one I wrote in 2000, and and we were changing it up until you know last year when we were finalizing the recordings. So. so but when you're talking about like you know writing a song, you know, um, I mean because there's sort of I guess like a editing process you could be changing stuff even like in the studio i guess mm-hmm. you could you know pre-production right. all that so i mean do you consider that it's not written like when do you consider a song written when do, would you consider it to be you know i mean the, well to I, you know to me it's when 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 we get done mixing and everything oh yeah like there it is that's how it's supposed to be i'm happy with that up until that point, you know, anything could change. And, okay. And, you know, there's like, you got to, it's, it's hard to know how to quantify or, or qualify an addition. You know, like if you make an addition at the end and it's just a few notes, but it's some really awesome hook, you know, over a part that seemed empty. And now all of a sudden that part really seems great. Yeah. To me, that's maybe it's not that many notes you're adding to the song, but it qualitatively, it's... It can transform a song, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. like, you know, I guess... 
sometimes it's it's difficult because it's like maybe genre specific but i mean i you know to be able to what is a song you know what i mean like to strip it down to like just the very basic of what it is and then like but i guess you know if you're writing a country song or something you can say well it can be a guitar and a vocal and that's the song right but sometimes i guess other other you know other kind of genres of music are like you couldn't it's not you couldn't really do that you know what i mean yeah. i don't know i guess kind of like It'd be like with classical piece, like a whole symphony or something. What What's the song? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's the whole thing, you know? I don't know. But yeah, it just kind of begs the questions. It's like, what is the song? I, you know, because I, I, I like to think of, I don't know. I just kind of like to think of, of it. You have the song and you have the recording process. Of course, like there's influence in the recording process. You adding on overdubs, it may influence sort of the mood of the song or something. But mm-hmm. the song itself, you could it can exist without that addition because it already existed before without that addition. You know what I mean? But yeah, I'm, I'm discovering as you're talking about, maybe I have a very specific definition of it because well, I'm just, what I'm sort of trying to, I want to understand. Yeah. 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 Cause I wouldn't consider an overdub of a part or even a harmony of a part as a, as an additional writing process. So now yeah. I'm kind of, I've got a very flaky definition, but yeah. You know, and I've also got, I guess I'm sort of on the other end of the spectrum from people I, I remember, you know, in, in high school or whatever, everybody sort of dabbles with, well, am I going to be a musician or what? And so people yeah. would come up to me and, you know, say, well, I wrote a song the other day and, and they'd hand me, you know, a, a, note, a piece of notebook paper with lyrics on it. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, well, how, how's the guitar go or whatever? And they're like, yeah. well, it's not, there's, there's, I haven't written the music yet. I was thinking maybe you could write the music. I've just got a song. I'm like, yeah. you've got a poem. Right. You don't have a yeah. song. Yeah. <laughs> was, I feel you on that. Yeah. I do. I feel you on that. You know, I mean, uh, it's, I think, yeah, to me, a song is, there's got to be some sort of musical, whether it's, even if it's an acapella, mm-hmm. right? But there's got to be some kind of, and even if it was going to be something like, even like, um, what's his name? Uh, um, William Shatner. You know how he does his thing that it'll be like, you ever listen to his records? He's like uh, common I mean, people, right? It man, like it, dude, like, like okay, so like he <laughs> did these records. Back, he speaks. Yeah, oh he no, speaks. I know. Back when he did these records, and 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 we used to kind of make fun of him, right? But then, when I was working at a, um, I got my first studio job, and this guy, um, I think his name was Joe Costa. He's a great dude, great engineer, and he and and so after years of William Shatner not making any records, he came back and did a record, and Joe Costa did the record. He did it in Nashville, and so this is probably, I think, it, probably this would have been like around two thousand four or five or something. And, and, um, so Joe Costa did this record with William Shatner and then when, uh, and then I was on a project with Joe Costa and he came in and was listening and he brought that record in this, this new William Shatner record, new circuit, like whenever 2004 new, I don't know if William Shatner's done anything since then, mm-hmm. but, um, but all, you know, all of a sudden it was different. I, I listened to it. I was like, dude, William Shatner's got, this is killer. I'm a fan. Like before it was sort of like, this is hilarious. He did a, cause I remember back when, I don't remember when he did this, but he did a cover of Lucy in the sky with diamonds. You should Picture listen. Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know. He yeah. just talks. <laughs> so that's what his records are like. All his records are, he just talks the stuff, you know? Uh-huh. But I mean, you know, so it's like William Shatner doing spoken word, talk, rhythmic, vocal inflection stuff. <laughs> that's music. You know yeah. what I mean? He's got he's 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 thought about the whole the idea and the performance of it, you know. Yeah. That's that's a song, but yeah, to me, I'm with you. If it's just like, well, I just wrote this. Well, you've written a whole bunch of words. I wouldn't call it a song because there's not really a musical component. 
Yeah, there's you know a genre mean? for that. It's called yeah. poetry. Yeah. <laughs> but, right. I, but I'm also realizing as we're talking here that I don't necessarily want to defend whatever weird definition I've developed over the years in my head because I, I don't know that it's necessarily defensible. Yeah. So I, I don't what are you know afraid really... of? Are you, are you afraid of social media trolls coming after you or something and <laughs> trying to make you like having to like defend yourself? Take a position, friend. <laughs> no. Come on, just stand for something. I'm afraid of you doing it to me right oh, now. Oh, yeah? I, uh, you think I'm going to put you on yeah. the spot? Like, well, what about what you said here, Ted? I don't yeah. think that fits with what you that's, said you earlier. Know, that's yeah. what this really is, okay? <laughs> I, I'm I, this is yeah. This is a musical trial. Okay, this is not a podcast. All right, we're putting you through the test. Our buddies in here in the booth. Okay, these are all props. My friends are here to do an intervention. This on, is. On my are you really of worthy of being a musician, Ted Fox? I knew it. I had a funny feeling drumming over here. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, you know. Anyway, as as, as far as the writing process goes, you know, I. I I would have a hard time saying when I'm totally done with a song because you know even then when we when we get in the studio they'll have suggestions and some of the suggestions I like some of them I won't you know whatever but we're still you know always like sort of crafting something and to me it, it for my experience if if we end up adding something in the studio that I think qualitatively really changes the song then I I still consider that part of the writing process. Sure, I mean that sure. can happen, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but when but that's kind of. Um, something in the moment you know what i mean i mean the song still already pre-existed even though it's like oh we kind of just unexpectedly maybe rewrote something i mean that mm-hmm. absolutely happens yeah. in the studio you know mm-hmm. but but you know anybody who most most of the time i mean sure the era gone by there's people who've gone to the studio and like they're right in the studio that happens but most of the time people are are like doing you know this have a writing process and so that they go in the studio it's just to record it you know, and to maybe shape, there, there's a, a, a level of shaping the songs or whatever. So, m- for the most part, the songs already, the body of music already kind of pre existed before you went mm. into the studio. You know what I mean? Even though it's like in the moment you could maybe rewrite stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, all I'm saying is, you know, you're, you're completely wrong in your definition <laughs> of writing. Okay. So, we've settled that. You're wrong. <laughs> I was I was not prepared for this no. debate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is uh, this is the uh, Nashville uh, uh, musical mayoral mayoral debate tonight. <laughs> what is a song? who is going to be the musical mayor of Nashville? Um, no, that's cool. Honestly, I just I was one. I was just like interested in in that. You know, you're this this. Um, part of your writing process is uh how you're putting this stuff together and and doing it is really uh it's really interesting to me it's really cool you know yeah you know it just it kind of started out as an experiment i wonder if i could combine all those sounds yeah and uh and you know i I would say the the meat and potatoes of most of the songs are kind of written in the moment you know kind of right away Uh, okay if i if i only sort of come up with a say a riff but i don't ever come up with a vocal part that that can sit there forever before i ever really it, it, some of like I have a computer full of these things that are still sitting there to this day, and uh-huh. so usually I, I have to jump on as we right all at do. The moment. Man, yeah. I got a whole hard drive full of stuff. You do too, don't oh, yeah. you? God, yes. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, are do you guys? Are you so? Do you guys collaborate in the writing process? We we have for the uh, for the live performances. Rico's come up, and you know, there's another thing with the writing process. Like Rico's come up with some uh, some lead guitar that's sort of been uh, after the lead guitar has been recorded on the album, but to get ready for shows, um, you know, he's not only had to come up with new lead parts, but uh, places where on the album we have mandolin and fiddle, 
So okay. it was just two guitars. It sounds a little empty. So he's had to like think outside of the box and come up with new stuff. So in a, in a way, the songs are still being written because Rico's coming in. And so and like, okay, you've got this, you got this stuff that you're doing on the record, and you're shaping the songs a certain way and all that. But then the live, the live version of it's kind of taking a, another shape. That's right. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. That's and a fun. Rico's had a huge influence on that. He's he's been awesome to work with. Wow. Yeah, man. He's cool. a fun. He's a fun dude to work with. Yeah. I can. I can. I can speak from experience. If I can only learn how to play the fiddle. That's the thing I'm missing. I'm attempting. But yeah. Well, just pick have, it up and do it, man. You know, I, it's so just I've like tried. Twinkle, yeah. Twinkle, little star sounding yeah. pretty good. That's cool. <laughs> I got this part of playing stuff on the album yet. That stuff is so like this fiddle and. Uh, it's so bizarre. The bowing is so bizarre to me. Like it's not. It's not anything in my left hand. It's just like I don't yeah. know how to do it. So I know, isn't that weird? Ebo makes it a lot easier yeah, on the guitar. There you go. So I can kind of yeah. mimic those stringed parts and kind right. of make some noise. And yeah. It's cool. It's also really weird because it just, you know, they're just not being frets on the right. instrument. Anything right. that's like not a fretted instrument. I mean, but even if you had a fretless guitar or a fretless bass or something, I can make my way around that. But it's just like like a cello or a violin or something is yeah. so foreign to me. Right. You know, right. it is to me too. so it's just weird how you can play things out of in some weird in between note. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's cool. If it's a my bloody Valentine record though. <laughs> you know? it works. It's, it's kind of cool. If you're, I don't know, I guess it's kind of, I've, 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 I've gnarled around on a cello before on a rock record. There's a here, do make this a, and make I, a note. I, I came up with some stuff you can always like that's what's fun you know it's mm-hmm. like to just do things that you don't that's why i like getting away from the guitar lately you know i just don't know what to do with the guitar give me anything but a guitar i just don't <laughs> right. really know what to do with the guitar mm-hmm. anymore you know yeah are you writing are you writing on the guitar yeah you know we've, we've already started writing on album two um okay even, even though album one's not even really out yet but um prolific um, i love it yeah so uh yeah, I'm just kind of doing the same same thing I did uh, for for this album that I've loved so much. Just uh, you know, kind of come fiddling around till I come up with some sort of Mississippi John Hurt inspired thing, and then think, all right, well, how do I kick the distortion pedals on here and <laughs> and come up with the echoey ethereal guitar yeah. stuff? And uh, you know, that was the format that that really worked with uh, the last album. So, or, or I guess it's the album the that's not even out one. yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the future album. And so I'm sticking with that for the future future yeah. album. We're working yeah. on album six already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. you've got like you got your, your greatest hits are ready to go right. and all that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, killer. We're like already. Guess what? We're already at the halfway mark. Oh, man. So, all right. So I'm gonna um, I'm gonna get let you guys get ready to play another song. Awesome. Okay. Cool. And while you're doing that, I'm going to do a few promotional items. Awesome. So, um, so this is it, the modern recordist. Uh, and thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for sticking with us all through the summers. We've been in this launch phase. It's been awesome. Already 15 episodes in, and uh, we're uh, we're cooking. And uh, we're brought to you by myself. I'm John Stinson, a uh, producer, recording engineer, mixing engineer, working out of Nashville, Tennessee doing this podcast doing have a lot of irons in the fire in addition to uh making records with all kinds of awesome folks around nashville you can hit my website johnstenson.com check out uh stuff i blog about uh you can listen to episodes of this podcast you can uh check out uh recording drums 101 which is a, a resource for simple tips for recording drums that i put together Get in touch with me if you're interested in making a record with me. Check out my album credits, all that. JohnStinson.com. J-O-N-S-T-I-N-S-O-N.com. There's no H in John. 
Then I want to give a shout out to J.D. Tyner, the main man behind Glass Onion Recording, the studio that we do this podcast out of, the studio that I do pretty much all of my work out of, the studio that J.D. does pretty much all of his work out of. A lot of great things going on at Glass Onion Recording. There is an awesome selection of vintage analog gear, modern analog gear, digital gear, a cool vibey spot here in Nashville to make a record. Check it out at facebook.com slash glass onion rec go like the page check it out look at the pictures see what's been going on uh and then of course uh parish who's with us say hey parish hey hey again (laughs) um so parish is the guy who handles our engineering stuff so that i get to hang out with the guests and jd when he's around gets to hang out with the guests it's good to have you back i'm glad i'm not i'm not glad i'm not running solo for once in a while but uh yeah jd uh or uh parish rather um handles all the engineering stuff and um he's a producer engineer also uh hanging around nashville and you can check out all that he's got going on at jonathanpaulparish.com uh check out uh villain place as well it's a record label recording studio um, they do all kinds of great stuff. Tell them more about it. That's Tell a production more. company, so we do music videos and uh, graphic design as well. Um, so, yeah, we're just venturing into the record label world. Uh, we just released an album uh, by a band called Ave uh, that we had on this show. Uh, I'm also a member of that band. <laughs> <laughs> Killer band, and I got uh, yeah. to I got to mix your guys' record. It was, it. it was awesome. That's That record's out now. Check that out. It's out. Um, but you can check all that out. You can get everything going on there at villainplace.com. So that's that. And now if you guys ready. You guys are ready, mm-hmm. why don't you guys hit it? Let's do another song. All right. This one's called Remains. Quiet follows me around Cut the night soil out Gather the sprouts Before they wither out The night turns a stain To a hostile shade The step dug up remains Were offered to Out empty eyes and back in three yellow tooth decay There's something near that should be feared Black shapes move across the light There's something on its way The frostbitten air on burned up skin I could climb inside her now But I destroyed her when I came out The stiff dug up remains Were offered to the flames 
smoke curls through its face Out empty eyes and back into yellow tooth decay The smoke returns to space As flesh starts to pop and peel away How can one escape from a fire that burns up everything? and rot that can't be seen A touch you can never quite get clean The tendons pop inside my knees Just hold your hands and try to breathe The only thing alive in here is need The absence of all needed things But things shrivel up in the heat and dry things get swallowed up in the sea The stiff dug up remains Were offered to the flames Smoke curls through its face Out empty eyes and back and through yellow Tooth decay The smoke returns to space As flesh starts to pop and peel away how can one escape from a fire that burns up everything? Awesome. Thank you. Love it. That one was called Remains. Love That's it. Good. That's awesome. So right. one thing you know I was thinking about when you were playing that song is um, why why do you do it? Music, music. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't it? know. You, you know, know that, just uh, an obsession ever since. You know, I first, I don't know, saw Kurt did, Cobain did, playing yeah, did, yeah, guitar. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I don't know. Was it him? Yeah, I think. Well, you know, I was, I was very much into the hip hop scene. You know, in the dude, in the very I remember early that. 90s. I'd forgotten yeah. all about that, uh-huh. dude. I remember uh, uh, at a function. Um, oh, what was that band? What was that rap group called? Onyx, right? Wasn't there a group okay. called Onyx? Yeah, that slam. Slam, yes. Yeah. And you're like jamming everybody and leading everybody to the, like, you know. It's some church it's camp It's like a church camp thing. Yeah. And you're jamming, like jumping up on tables and like you got the whole cabins like like rocking. Like it was awesome. Yeah, those are my yeah. real roots. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then when I remember uh, for some reason, you know, when Creep came out, I guess it sort of has like an almost hip hop sort of beat. Whatever and and prior prior to hearing oh, yeah. Creep by Radiohead, I never understood like guitars or like the screaming vocals or you know. Okay. And then remember when I heard that song and I was like, oh, I think I get it now. Okay. And then through that, you know, like getting into Kurt Cobain and uh, and I really haven't listened to hip hop since. Like pretty much everybody I know, yeah, listen more hip hop than I do. Yeah. Um, so you know when I when I really got grabbed by that, you know, like uh, Pablo Honey, Nevermind, In Utero. Um, you know, then of course the Benz and uh, Siamese Dream, and the, when those albums came out, that's like when I just really got grabbed by it. And uh, you know, I don't when before before I even learned how to play a song on guitar, I just got one because I yeah. don't know. I was I was kind of getting jaded with basketball, and I needed a pastime, so I just yeah. got a guitar. I didn't know how to tune it. I didn't know how to play it. I didn't take any lessons, and I would just sit there and write. You know, because yeah. I didn't know what else to do with the guitar because sure. I didn't know how to play anything. Yeah. So, but I didn't know how to tune, so I could never like go back and play the songs again. But you know, just from the very t- first time I ever yeah. got a guitar, I was writing. 
Yeah. Uh, so, so right when you st- <laughs> grabbed it, like that was it. You were just straight to writing and not even really like trying to learn any. Right. I didn't, yeah. I didn't waste my time trying to learn yeah. <laughs> yeah. anything about the instrument. <laughs> I would, you know, I'd put on those albums and I had this electric guitar, so I wouldn't even turn the amp on because I knew I couldn't play it. Yeah. And I would just make up chords and, yeah. you know, just strum and, and have a blast. And then I'd sit around and try and write. So, so I was writing before I knew anything yeah. about so what you, I was and doing. And then you like went backwards yeah. into like, let me, I mean, I don't know. How did you like? How did you learn any technical? Like any? You know, did you just, you went backwards from there? Like sort of reverse engineer. What am I doing? And then yeah. just like, okay. well, you know, I would, you know, I would, I would be writing like single note stuff, kind of yeah. like come as you are type stuff. You yeah. know, like very single note, whatever. And who yeah. knows what tuning? Yeah, or what scale? And uh, and I guess I just got frustrated with that. I was like, yeah, I really need to learn what I'm doing yeah. here. And uh, and then you know, also I, I should mention there's this uh, a painter friend of mine. Uh, he lives in New York now. He's a very successful painter named Wes Sherman. Definitely check out his stuff. Um, he was working at my dad's donut shop uh, right around the time I first got a guitar, and he was really encouraging that side of me. Okay. And, uh, and you know, he he I remember I think it was him that encouraged me to actually like learn what I'm doing. You know, and go okay. go learn these chords. He's like learn some other songs, and then he's like, and then I want a song. I remember after I first started learning like real chords and stuff, he, uh, he, you know, he gave me the assignment: write a song by next week and bring it in here and play it to me. You know, he's, okay. he's very like really that's kind of cool, intense guy. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I like that. And you know, he's yeah. always challenging my beliefs too, and so you know, I've been like, prove that there's such a thing as angels. You know, <laughs> really? Yeah, when I was okay. like, you know, eighth grade, you know, huh. I really wasn't ready for this. He was sounds like, like a really interesting guy. He's awesome. He's really okay. great. You still keep in touch with him? Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. yeah, and he's 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 doing great as a painter in New York, and uh, okay. we still get together whenever he does shows here. And uh, cool. And yeah, so he's just real intense, always, you know, making me account for my my yeah. art and have conversations with him about that. And uh, um, so he really spurred me along too. So right from the very beginning, I was I was just constantly writing. And I even, you know, you were the first person I got together with, and and we didn't really play other songs that much together. You yeah, know? we mean, didn't really know. Yeah, that many. we know. We didn't yeah. really like, you know, we didn't. We didn't. It was a little bit later we started to, I guess learn other songs like smashing pumpkin songs really right i, mean, I think we were writing before we were like doing any covers you know cause yeah because we, we didn't know any covers yeah uh, not because we were trying to be like, cool you know, some green day stuff maybe and then uh and then some smashing pumpkin stuff but that was mm-hmm. like you know just a couple songs here and there yeah, right i like, remember we would know like the easiest riff in yeah. one song and that was all we knew yeah you know? yeah <laughs> we just play that over and over again yeah. i rem- dude okay so i remember this is like this uh is one of the most profound experiences of my life when you like are early. This is great. We can segue into like the recording process. Cause I want to talk about it being the modern recordist. I want to, I want to get into the, uh, the whole area of making music about what it's like recording music today. Mm-hmm. But my entry into recording was with you in our first band. And it was like, I, uh, this was like I wish we could figure out like dig up these old tapes. I remember we would get the uh, like your mom's dictation machine, right? You uh-huh. know, and the buckets. Yeah, from the donut okay. shop. Okay, yeah, yeah we get buckets and like pots and pans and like the uh, metal thing off the grill. You know, yeah, right. Was the our rack, was our like racks. symbols or something? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I remember because you you you'd have to take a donut rack and put it on top of a bucket. But then to really get the cymbal sound, you had to put like a, a skillet lid yeah. on top of the pan so that when you hit the, the donut rack, the skillet lid would vibrate on top yeah. of the donut rack. Yeah, so we'd yeah. stack this up and make this makeshift drum kit thing that you'd bang around on. We, and, and, then, and, then we'd, and then when I'd play guitar, and we'd have the amp come up next to the kind of like a semicircle of the amp drum kit thing with the dictation machine in the middle, uh-huh. bang that out. 
take that. And this was like, you're, you're, you're like, dude, what we can do, we can take this and put it in the boom box, crank that up, put another tape in the dictation machine. <laughs> right. We can overdub. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, that's brilliant. Oh my, oh my God. That's brilliant. So Ted, Ted still recorded this way up until probably three years ago. <laughs> Maybe not even that. It was forced upon me to switch to computers. Yeah. yeah. So, but it that's like, be, that was like, noted. Because, it should be noted that Ted is an excellent keyboard drummer. That, yeah. that's, a, that's another talent of mine. Yeah, I, if, if there's any bands out there listening who need a keyboard drummer, I really am. A musician I, for hire right now. I hate that I can't exhibit that talent of mine. Uh, you need to join the musicians' union as the keyboard drummer. <laughs> right. You, make, get a keytar though. When you do it, you need to learn how to do it on a keytar so you can show up in the session. Like you stand, you got to stand up and do that, uh-huh. thing, man. Or or you know set it up on a big. You gotta always be standing up and like make big motions, you know, like get a mullet going. That's right. just, there's big money here, man. Mm-hmm. There's big money in this. This is like a reinventing second a whole parallel new... career yeah. going on right uh-huh. now. But yeah, man, I remember we would that's how we'd write and we'd overdub and we'd have your sister come in and scream. We, we couldn't even hear what was going on, you know. <laughs> scream into it. The only person we knew who could sing. Yeah. Like, it was awesome. Drag the little sister in and make yeah. her do stuff. Yeah. It was awesome, man. We and that's how we wrote our first songs. It was so yeah. killer. I love that we'd come I'd come over, we'd do a piranha feeding. Right, and then the piranhas. And then we would uh we would uh get into some of this makeshift music making. What was your band name? We had a couple. I remember, I remember a bunch of them. Our, Hatbox. Hatbox was the first band, mm-hmm. and then it, and then we had Super Cheese. Super Cheese, yeah. Super, Super cheese. cheese. It morphed into Super Cheese because we just felt like we had sort of you've outgrown the Hatbox. <laughs> yeah, you know, and we and like we were doing a little bit more, you know, sort of like sophisticated. We were spreading our wings a little bit yeah. that warranted maybe around, a more sort of like. Grandiose name, a more sophisticated name. Yeah, like super time the power chords were introduced. I'm guessing, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, but see, no, the power chords, straight power chords, were hat box, but oh. then power chords the with bar some like chords were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bar chords. We had at the yeah. bottom three strings. Yeah, there you Major go. Major and minor. Yeah, dude, we can like put the other strings on the guitar. These like littler ones. <laughs> we never paid we can attention put to those you. on. You know, yeah, it's funny, man. That's how we did it. It was great. Uh-huh. And I wish we could dig up those tapes because I never, like, I never have forgotten that because it's just like I don't know it really shaped me and my because I ended up going like taking keep going I kept going you know until one day I'm like sitting behind a mixing console and like making records and I'm like okay so really I own some of Glass Onion Studio. We got to talk to JD about that, yeah. man. Okay. You got to talk to JD about that. Part of Stinson, yeah. I supported him while he developed his talent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll I'm we just gonna, need to I'm, edit. We need to edit Stenson's all music page and his bio and just yeah, like all the yeah. We'll have to all, all your credits. All the See credits. We'll also put we'll put we'll, we'll Ted on there too. <laughs> like he also studied at Belmont, but he really learned. How we got to gotta do recall it, but, all those yeah. records that have been out. <laughs> Issue. Somebody get in contact with RCA. There's a lot of labels we got to talk to. Yeah, you know, I'm not arrogant. Just send me some uh, royalties. Okay. And we don't oh, have to worry about. Oh, we don't have to worry about. Okay. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Right on. <laughs> Oh yeah, those are good days. You know, in fact, our uh, mutual friend uh, Tucker, uh, maybe like a year ago, he found one of those tapes. Did he really? Uh, and, he, and he gave it to me, and I've misplaced it. Wow! <laughs> but it, wow. it exists. It's somewhere. probably in your Are you kidding? Oh, no. Did you hear this? Yeah. Oh, of course. I oh, did. dude, it exists. The tape somewhere. surfaced, so how and then I got. lost it again. <laughs> yeah, but it's it, like there's hope that it could be found. Ted's yeah. that guy that brings that stuff up, and then he's like, "No, it's just like you can never hear it. Like, <laughs> you might have could have heard it, but now you can't hear it." <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, you know. I'll keep looking. It's, it's there somewhere. Yeah. I haven't moved since then, so it's around. The second that it serves, call, call I me. I will. I will. For real. <laughs> I can't wait to hear that stuff, man. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Those, are, those are interesting interesting times. But yeah, as, as Parrish pointed out, I eventually uh, grew to the, the keyboard drums, but I would still use the same thing. I'd play the keyboard drums through speakers and put a dictation thing in between really? those so speakers how, and the guitar So up amp. to how long ago were you doing this? Uh, I, well, I, I think I graduated to a, like an analog four-track uh, around 99 okay. or something, and I just upgraded from those little machines. I would kind of go from one machine to the next until... Rico gave me a computer and logic. And, and okay, been, you and just I, intervened. You were like, "Dude, you're so much easier than you you've got it. to." Yeah. <laughs> what was the and deal I, with I've that? I've only I've only done like maybe a dozen or so songs on Logic since my graduation from the actual box okay. machines. So, so yeah. So like to be serious about it, like that's uh, was you know a, a big a big thing I like to get into on this show mm-hmm. is 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 what it's like today. Recording, being a modern recordist in the modern world, like how do you do well, it? How maybe do... I'm more of a paleo recordist. Yeah, there you go, a paleo recordist. <laughs> I might be on the wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun because you know you think about like, you know what's interesting is my experience is, um, you have all these records that we grew up with that we grew up listening to, and the stories behind how those records were made and people going into the studio and spending millions of dollars in these big professional studios and this MTV era of whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And then when I first got into making records, it was, it wasn't like that, but I mean, you know, I was in a re- professional recording studio. That's like, you know, studio for hire, famous people are coming to record at and all that. So it's like kind of a big operation, you know? And, but, but it was at the end of that era. You know, and it was like quickly going away. And then now what's really crazy is, you know, you if you go to the store, you go to the like, or let's say this, if you go on iTunes or something and you look at what is the big records and the records in a lot of cases, even like records that have won Grammys, records that I know have won Grammys that I've worked on, you know, and so I know how they were made and they weren't made, they were made in a studio at somebody's house, mm-hmm. you know, and what I've said before is even like the studio we're sitting in now, you know, it's, I guess, technically a home studio, but it's, it's, it's well done. You know, it's built out like a professional studio. It's well equipped mm-hmm. and the studio and then, and the records that, that, that I've had experience in making that have won Grammys are, in, have been made in studios that even weren't as sophisticated in, in a lot of ways as this one, hmm. you know? And so it just kind of, and then, I've, you know, you, you read magazines like Tape Op, and I keep shouting, you know what? Larry Cl- Crane followed me, actually. Yeah. Yeah, he, was, re- he retweeted us last week. That's killer. Yeah, I'm going to have to get in touch with him. But So I guess we talked about it enough that we got on his radar. I'm a big fan of Larry Cr- Crane. Yeah, you La- all, it's like every episode. Larry it is. is <laughs> do I mention him every episode? Do I really? Larry, I oh. mean, I guess he's worth so it. So now, at this point, he's probably going to unfollow me because he's like, oh, oh my God, he's a creep. This guy. He's a weird fanboy. So maybe I shouldn't call him. I don't know. I'm going to let that percolate for a minute. But in any case, the guy who started the, the magazine Tape Op, I'm a huge fan of Tape Op. I read all the time. And... um. But that's what they highlight a lot of that stuff on there is like, you know, here's these guys that made these huge records and these big producers or whatever. And um and here's how they're doing it. And they just have, you know, oh, it's just a nook out in my garage, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just got turned on to the idea, you know, and um 
and and it's just it's interesting to me that in modern times today that's how records are made so i like to explore that mm-hmm. you know and you know there's the 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 writing demoing process that you have mm-hmm. you know and it sounds like i mean I, in all seriousness are you are you working on a computer now right yeah okay. finally, finally on a computer okay yeah okay and uh, i'm still largely presets but well, that's cool. I'm but more I mean, modern now. But so, but then there's the when you're so that's like your writing demoing process, right? I I really prefer to write with with a demo. Um, you know, I can I can do a lot. You know, some of it in your head. Yeah. You know, but I really like to be able to step back from it regularly, try something else, then step back from it, see if that works. Um, yeah. What's know, that like? So, for you? so I why, like to why, demo from the very beginning. Once I why get are you idea, doing it that way? Why are you? Is it be, why? Why do you need to record the parts? I mean, this is. I'm just asking because I want it because you know it's common. A lot of people do it, right? Mm-hmm. But I just what's why do you why do you demo like so you demo as you write, right? You okay. know, it, it, I'll say if I've got a riff I like or, or or whatever, then I'll I'll go ahead and record that while I work on vocal parts and lead guitar. I do that so that I can record it and then step outside of it um, on a regular basis so I can really sort of step back and see what feels empty, what, what feels perfect, and, and yeah. go from there. Okay. Um, it, it helps me a whole lot to not try and hold it all in my head. Right. Fifteen you know. years is a long time to, uh, <laughs> to keep hold. it all memorized. <laughs> keep an yeah. idea in your head. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so are things like, you know, are you making sonic choices at that point? Are they, is that influencing how you're writing? Well, this stuff? might be a really good time to give a shout out to a uh, villain place. Cool. You know, a lot of the sonic quality and, and tones and everything like that have been largely constructed by, by the guys at villain place. Um, they're awesome. You know, they're, they approached me to do this project because they, uh, that I had actually misunderstood something they had said that they were going to try and do some sort of collaborative, bluegrass thing and i was like oh oh my god i've got these like old demos i want to give them to you see if you want to use any of them and uh so i handed it to lloyd the, the big pimp over at villain place and uh and he listened to the demos and came back to me and te- he's like ted we're doing that whole album you're singing you know i've never been a front man before and he's like and we're doing this and, and cool. so they've they've crafted the whole sound you know, the drum tones the guitars cool. Um, just making it really big and post-rocky and, and stuff from the very beginning. So that's what I, when I'm like talking about the recording process, mm-hmm. that is what I'm asking about. Really, is like, what's that like for you? What's it? What is it? You know, what's the recording process look like? Yeah, well, you know, it, it can be real frustrating because you know, sometimes the engineering and the and the mixing and the tone stuff that that's not my strength, and I know that about myself. Yeah. So I have to work with someone else, and, and sure. you can't you can't get better than Villain Place, you know, cool. or, except Glad. Glass Onion rec- Records, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're playing both the, sides, man. <laughs> they're both equally A real con the man best here. in the whole world. Yeah, uh, but, uh, but so they, you know, they they uh, they are easy to very easy to work with. You know, sometimes I can get real picky, and, and it's hard to know exactly where everything's going to go. And uh, but these guys well, are, it's, are great. It's good that you're over there then, because I just can't deal with the picky man. It's just, <laughs> just not going to work over here. Okay, uh-huh. gotta know what you mm-hmm. want. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, so they, uh, you know, they, we'll, we'll get in it, and you know, they're one of their engineers over there. Daniel has, has done a lot of the, the tone sculpting, and and so you know, we just sort of uh, conversations, you know, like he'll he'll listen to the demo I did, which of course the tone quality is not so great, but uh, you know, the ideas there, the parts are there, and so then we'll we'll figure out what does the tone need to be, and just kind of just start tweaking stuff from there. He'll get an idea, he'll put it put it down and we'll just have a conversation until we get something we like. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they've done a great job. The, the is, is, is recording, awesome. is recording 
inspiring to you? I mean, do you get do you do you, do you have fun? Well, there's a reason I stayed away from the engineering. I, I don't have the patience to become good at something like yeah. that. And uh, and I like you know I I like that I don't try and put myself through that. You know, some yeah. some people have the patience for it and they love it, and I just know that I don't. And I like that I haven't spent any of my life trying to get good. Like at Like me, two hours ago, I'm battling this stuff. You should have seen him going Bill was O'Reilly that, on, yeah, on was everybody. That, was that patient? You kicked the dog. And you, yeah. No dogs were kicked, JD. Yeah, asterisk. Yeah. No asterisk dogs were actually kicked. I've got witnesses here. No, everybody agrees with me. We all saw it. Right? No dogs were kicked. We love dogs. We love. And specifically, we love blue. Yeah, blue is great. Blue is awesome. I, I can't believe he hasn't made an appearance. He's been going nuts tonight. Very rare form. He really likes you guys. Well, we so, really like him. Yeah. 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 Really likes you guys a we lot. Bonded. The minute that you showed up, yeah, we bonded right yeah. away. <laughs> he was like howling for you down the street, just like he. You called me on the phone, and he was trying to talk to you on the phone. Right? Yeah, yeah. he's trying to talk over you. Yeah. I remember that. It was awesome. It's a true story. Yeah, it is a true story. <laughs> so, are you guys in the studio? You are in the studio together when you're in the process, or or no? Well, Rico did. Let's see. I can't remember what you've worked on. Um, I can't remember on this album. I can't remember what I played on. I played he, on some he was, track. You did some like some bass and some yeah. uh, some sub bass and uh, and some guitar. Yeah, I remember you doing some tremolo stuff. I might have um, attempted to, but yeah. At this point, well, and but now in the studio, in the writing process, we're kind of working together, demoing and stuff like that. Yeah, as you're carrying forward right, in, the, in the more right. in the newer stuff. So what's right. that? What's what does that look like? It looks like a lot of well, Ted. What's that idea you have? Okay, let's let me put a banjo on that and see how that sounds. Okay, okay let me let me pick up the mandolin and see if I can figure that out. Do you have? Did you do? Do you um, just sort of like this? Is what I'm feeling. Boom. Do that. Or do you? Is there any kind of formula to it or anything? Not, mostly just hunting and pecking. You know, it's kind of like all right, I like that there. Let me see what that sounds like. Okay, cool. You know, as far as with the new stuff. With the stuff that Ted has been working on, you know, it's easy to hear like, oh, okay, that part there, or just play that part from the record. Yeah. But like in the process of kind of figuring out what to do, it's kind of, some stuff is very apparent. With the newer stuff, it's kind of trial and error of trying to bring that kind of bluegrass idea to this post-rock sound, Mm -hmm. you know. So let's try a mandolin, let's try a banjo, let's do this and just kind of see what we can kind of add as an auxiliary instrument to give it that feel. So it's just not another like grunge, post-rock type of sound, yeah. you know. So you're deliberately working to sort of try to color outside the lines of that yeah. sort of thing and yeah. do something a little bit different with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So um, so I'll ask you, what's your why? How come, how do you do it? Why do you do it? It's just one of those things that's kind of like inescapable. You know, those times, I think as any musician, you know, artist, whatsoever, you can get frustrated and bang your head against the wall for hours and stuff. And then you can get to that point where it's just like, I just enjoy doing this. I, I've spent so many countless hours trying to be frustrated and making something perfect or doing this, that, and the other, but it's this thing that inside me that I can't escape, you know? Mm-hmm. If I thought about the idea of, not doing music it's like oh that makes me sick you know Mm -hmm. so it's like no matter what shape it takes whether it be like solo projects or bands or new instruments or whatever there's always that inspiration as far as like it's just fun you know that's why i do music because i have fun doing it it's a great escape yeah you know um i'm I'm gonna use the wrong word exhibit myself i'm what's the word i'm looking for show express express myself (laughs) (laughs) or put myself on exhibit but um but it's it's just a great form of expression you know that's the way that i have found to express whatever is going on Mm -hmm. happy sad or whatever it may be mostly just sad that's good (laughs) (laughs) 
we do hang on the sad and the sad stuff a whole lot. It's got a, yeah. I mean, happy happy major chord songs. Me just rarely do I find one that I'm like, man, I really relate to that. I really get it. Like there's some mm-hmm. great pop songs out there, great whatever major key stuff that I like, but it's got to have that kind of minor feel to it for me to really be like, oh, that makes me just want to cry. You know, like I just I connect to that emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's mm-hmm. that's what music's about to me. You know, it's not about the idea of going out and dancing at a club that was never my bag sure. you know it's like what makes me feel something what do i connect to and whatever that may be it might be a pop song that makes me feel that connection but usually it's some minor kind of sad emotional just you know song that i love yeah <laughs> you know? okay. it makes me happy you know okay happy. the sad makes you happy it really uh-huh. does like I, I feel so much joy listening to like an Elliot Smith or something like that. It's just like, guys, sadness makes me so happy. You know, like, like I get it. It just makes me connect, you know? Uh, there's a, I always, you know, one lyric, I always, we have to reference Billy Corgan. Please. Okay. Of Please. And so, um, is it, what's that? I'm in love with my Yeah. What sadness? is that song? Is that, for, was that from zero? What is? Zero. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that is. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm in love with my sadness. That, uh-huh. that line, that lyric, the first time I ever heard it, it always stuck with me. It always did. You know, right. well, and we're of, stuck with each other cause I knew exactly what line yeah. you were going to say. Yeah. 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 That's funny. <laughs> hey, did you, um, speaking of smashing pumpkins, did you go to the show? I missed that show. Yeah. Uh, Rico and I got to see him about a year or two ago it or something like two years ago. Like in Atlanta. Yeah, it's been a while in Atlanta. So I've, I've seen him recently, but I, yeah. I missed that last one. I would almost miss the show. And I was like, I was sick about it. Cause I haven't, um, since, you know, for like the last 20 years that the smashing pumpkins have been coming to Nashville, mm-hmm. I haven't missed a show. They came in like 95 or something like that. That was the first Smashing Pumpkins show that, that I melancholy had. one. Yeah, I think we both went to that. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, I remember that. And um, did garbage could have been garbage yeah, garbage open. open. Yeah, I saw man. That in Memphis. Oh man, it's such a that was awesome. It was a great show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was one of the best concerts. I mean, uh, probably I'm biased, you know, but still, it's like it was one of the best shows I've right. ever seen, mm-hmm. you know. And um, anyway, so I was sick about it because I was like, well, I'm not not going to go to the show. I, I there was actually I was supposed to be out of town, and um. And I was like, man, I haven't missed a Smashing Pumpkins show in like, I don't know, 20 years, whatever, however long, somewhere around 20 years. And, um, but I just ended up going, I ended up, you know, I didn't have a ticket and I went down and I got a ticket from a scalper and just went, <coughs> excuse me. And I, um, and I had, there was a bunch of people I knew down there and just met mm-hmm. up with them. And, and it was like, I mean, you know, it was awesome for me because I'm a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan. I felt really good about just like, man, see, I'm here. I'm here. I'm I, like, I showed up like. I'm a true fan. Like I didn't miss a show like staying solid, but at the same time, it's just, it's interesting. Cause it's like, it's not, it's, I don't know. It's like, it's not, it's not really the same, I mm-hmm. guess in a lot of ways, you right. know? <clears throat> and, um, I've never seen the, I've never seen the smashing pumpkins, all of them, all four of them on stage, the original guys, right. Original folks. Yeah. I've never seen them all four of them. It's always been one guy's missing or whatever, uh-huh. you know? Who was missing in '95? Jimmy was Chamberlain. Yeah, he was in. in he had gotten uh, fired like right after he got fired on that on that uh, on that tour. Okay. There was a yeah the heroin. There was a heroin overdose. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, and uh, their huh. touring keyboardist died, and they yeah. kicked him out. Okay. And finished the finished the tour with uh, Matt Walker. Well, I think that I think it was Matt Walk from Filter, right? That guy, mm-hmm. and, and I think Matt Cameron from from. Uh, 
Yeah, Soundgarden. Soundgarden. Yeah, um, he he did part of the tour, really? and then and then uh, and then Matt Walker, and then they came back in '98, and it was Kenny Arnoff was was sitting in on drums for that tour. Was that was the uh, what was that record? Adore that record they came out. Is that with the a, one they did the Grand Ole Opry? Yeah, they, that show did you, was great. Did you go there? Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. was an interesting show because yeah. it was like. Um, for some reason or another, they were like, I remember him saying, well, they didn't, they're not going to allow us to play electric guitars. Right. They couldn't bring their distortion pedals. And, yeah, yeah. So they, so they're like, well, we just figured that we were just going to figure it out. And we just decided yeah. to do all this stuff on acoustic and stuff. It ended up being a really interesting They just lined show. the whole stage with percussion. Like yeah, huge gongs. It was really it, cool. It was great. It was, they yeah. played all these really interesting versions of these songs. Mm-hmm. But I was really always perplexed by that because there's dudes who play, sling, you know, tellies on, on the Grand Ole Opry all day long. I don't yeah. understand this. I don't know. I don't get the rule. I don't know what was they going on. They were lying. Yeah, probably. They were lying. Yeah. It has to be. Probably. What's, uh, it's weird. <laughs> What's up with that? It was, it was like a gimmick yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. who knows? It's weird. Um, it was a weird. It was a weird place for them, for them to play. So random place mm. for them to play. But it was a cool show nonetheless. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. What do you uh what what's what's on your iPod right now? Uh you know I'm still listening to Do you whole, listen whole, to iPod? Uh, do you have a do you do oh, that? Yeah, 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 Um or do you use a, a dictation machine? <laughs> <laughs> right. I have I have an iPod and a cassette player. No. Yeah. I uh, I'm, I finally got off cassettes, but um uh yeah, on my iPod, I you know I listen to a lot of post rock. Um you know I think I uh, I'm I'm not great anymore at going out and finding the obscure band, you know. Like I, mm-hmm. I used to be a lot better about that when I was younger, and now I just I, I don't have a lot of energy. I, I'll just kind of wait for friends who still yeah. do that to recommend stuff to yeah. me. But there's there's a lot of post rock on there. Um, you know, Elliot Smith. Um, he's someone I've gotten into a whole lot more since you know since uh since I guess we were working together. I've gotten a lot really into Elliot Smith and uh, stuck with the Mogwai and the Pumpkins and, and all that. Um, you know, I like a, a whole lot of uh, uh, the post-rock stuff that's out there. I, I recently discovered Page Lost, and, and there was, like, this one that I found just the other day. I think they're, like, Chang One or something. They're, they're, like, the biggest post-rock band in China. Okay. And uh, they were awesome. Yeah, you know, I was watching their YouTube stuff, huh. like, at, uh, at work the other day all okay. you know, throughout the whole shift. They were great. So I mostly shop around the post-rock, and then, you know, I just kind of always go back to the Mississippi John Hurt and yeah. the stuff that uh, have influenced me. I'll, I'll, I'll keep all that stuff still yeah. going on a regular basis. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So we're getting to actually kind of towards the end. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess uh, – we can begin to kind of wrap it up and, 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 you know, I kind of want to take it more like higher level abstract kind of stuff. And so if I can, I guess what is like musically, what's, what's kind of your vision, you know, musically, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you, you know, kind of, I guess it's sort of maybe in the same vein, uh, uh, the question of like, what's your why, but um, what do you, what are you kind of seeking to accomplish with, with what you're doing and continuing to make music and create music and be a creator of art. What is it that you, that you're, you, that's just like that you're grasping. You yeah. Know? Well, and that, that, one, that one's easy. It's a very general answer, but you know, I, I just really want to get like the saddest, darkest, like most moving sad songs I can possibly come up with. You know, okay. there's, there's this one uh, composition called gloomy Sunday that right now has like the, the most suicides associated with it. Uh, you know, in the world, because people—not that I want to make people kill themselves or anything—but the people who who do get to that point in their lives, they'll like, you know, have that that record playing, or they'll, 
you know, have the, the music on them, you know, when they, they, you know, jump off a bridge or something That's like that. That's very dark. It's very dark. <laughs> and I want to beat out Gloomy Sunday. I want to have. Well, what? What is it? So, okay. Asterisk. Asterisk. <laughs> the modern accordist does not endorse. Yeah. Suicide. Thank, thank you. I don't really know where to go with this. Man. Asked, I mean, like, I'm not really sure how to. That's an easy question. I, you know, I get the answer right away. I, I, I just. But I don't. I don't. I'll say out there: if you're thinking about killing yourself, that you're not who I'm talking to. I'm talking to people who are already going to kill themselves. Just do it to my yeah, music. Yeah, this is, let's bail. Like, I don't even know where to take this. I really don't. So, Ted, uh, what's your album called, and uh, when does it come out? And... Uh, well, all right. I'll take a cue from Paris there. Uh, the, uh, the album's going to be called A, Go- uh, a Gospel of Dirt, um, and that hopefully will be out before the end of the year. I think there's a good chance it will be. Um, we... Uh, we don't have the website and stuff up yet. We're, we're hoping to do another show with you guys uh, when um, when we do have more specific things to say. But uh, but for right now, I'm I'm on Instagram uh, as Ted C Fox Music. I'm on Twitter as Ted C Fox Music, and uh, there'll be updates on all that stuff about when when the album's coming out, when the website's up. We've uh, Villain Place shot a video, uh, my first music video ever, which was I was so excited to yeah. do. They did an awesome job. Um, yeah. It'll it'll be up right away. So we got we got a lot of really cool stuff coming. So the video is not out yet. No. Okay. But, but it'll be coming out soon. There'll be there'll be updates on and Instagram then, you and know, Twitter. Okay. So you so your 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 place to go is is Instagram. You got a Instagram. You got a Twitter. You, mm-hmm. What else? Is that it? Instagram that's, and Twitter that's, is pretty that's much what we your got, own base. Is what's active okay. right now. Yeah. So if you want to uh, get up on everything that you're doing and get the latest and greatest, all the up to date information when your album comes out, when your video comes out, where you're going to be playing. Uh, all that stuff. All that stuff will be hit on your yeah. Instagram and hit your Twitter. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. and those those names again. Uh, Ted C Fox Music, uh, just at Ted C Fox Music on both of those. Okay, yeah. cool. So, all right, uh, one more shot at this <laughs> to redeem us here. <laughs> Give us something inspiring. Like what what inspires you? What what uh, you know? Let's walk away with something completely inspiring and uplifting, and like. Uh, from like somebody who is a music creator to other people listening who are music creators and artists and all that stuff, drawing from, you know, you, you draw from places. You got places of inspiration and things like where you go and you, 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 as a creator, you seek to look for drawing on different things, all kinds of different things, whether it's music, whether it's a podcast like this or whatever. So what- yeah, well, I, I get a lot of my influence from novelists. Uh, currently, right now, especially writing this album, I, I read this one novel, uh, Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, that's a great book, man. I read it like five times yeah. while I was writing this album. Cormac McCarthy is and, a kill- he's a, he is right, and, and his stuff is a lot is really yeah. dark as well. Yeah. And I, and I feel like there's something triumphant in you know creating something dark rather than you know submitting. So like you know while I want my stuff to be as dark as it po- you know as I can possibly make it and as moving as I can possibly make it, a lot of my saddest songs will have a very triumphant part. And mm-hmm. And I do think that it's there's a triumph in creating something sad rather than, you know, you know sometimes I'll lock myself in my room, you know, just yeah. watch TV or, you know, like I can't do anything. But and when I have those moments where I'm actually creating something that's very moving, there's there's a triumph to that, you know, sort of like the struggle of existence and, and uh, conquering, um, you know, your own demons and stuff. So yeah. there's there's while while I do while I don't necessarily get a lot out of art that's like, oh, you know, I've, I've been through hard times and now I'm happy. You know, I really like the the representation of the dark times, but but that in itself, creating or, or enjoying other people's art, like Cormac McCarthy, that all the the sharing of a conversation about these things is, is a triumphant thing. I yeah, think, not a not a defeated thing. Yeah, I I can get that. That's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, 
do something about it, have a breakthrough, you know, yeah. like it's a way of overcoming and like conquering that sort of that beast and just like, you know, the silver lining is you create something out of this, right. And do something constructive with it instead of destructive. What about you, man? What's, uh, what's your, uh, what, what get, leave us something with something, leave us with something inspiring. Well, um, for me, I mean, inspiration for me, it comes from within. It's just kind of whatever I am attached to at the moment, you know, mm-hmm. whatever emotion that may be. It's all, it all, the inspiration for me is the emotion behind whatever, whether it be happy or sad, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know how that inspiring that is to other people, but that's, for me, that's where my inspiration comes from. It's just from within. And, uh, and, and how are you an artistic visionary? How do you see, how do you see, what do you see in that for yourself? Um, well, you know, what I, what I envision and what, what I really love is, um, you know, really, you know, sad, as we've just been saying, sad sounds and then um, combining them with these uh, lyrics that are, you know, very image based and very action based um, so that they're very active, but at the same time, they're, um, you know, very vague and, and fractured. I, yeah. uh, you know, I've, I've noticed that over the years as my, you know, the, the lines that really stick with me, um, you know, uh, say like from, from Billy Corgan or from Kurt Cobain or whoever, or the, the lines that I don't really know exactly what they mean, you know, it like yeah. creates some image. And then, you know, when I'm, you know, when I'm dating this girl, you know, and I'm happy about that, then the line means something then. But then, you know, when I'm, when I'm in the breakup, then the line yeah. means something else. Yeah. And no matter what I'm going through for, the, you know, for years, the, those lines where I'm not totally sure what they mean, but they're very vivid. Um, those are the ones that stick with me. So when I'm when I'm kind of writing lyrics, they're very Cormac McCarthy inspired, but they're also very inspired by that sort of fractured nature of of, of my lines tend to stick with me longer the the less specific they are, but at, at the same time active and vivid. Yeah. Um, and so you know uh, you know my vision is combining those sad sounds with these image based and action based uh, uh, fractured lines Killer. that kind of speak to something very deep beyond sort of the linguistic yeah. conscious. Awesome. Part of the brain. Love it. Awesome. Well, again, thank you guys for being here right up at the end of time here. We're going to squeeze in this last performance. Uh, Always a controversial character, Ted Fox. (laughs) You always have been. It's good. It's good. It's a good thing. Keep doing your stick, all that stuff. Tune up for this last song. I'm going to tell you guys... Uh, thank you again for being here and uh, get subscribed stay subscribed in iTunes uh, make sure you leave us a good rating and review as well um, those uh, help us stay relevant in the charts and all that and spread the word speaking of spreading the word if you like this episode share it with a friend this has been episode 15 of the modern recordist the last episode we're going to do before we take a month long hiatus so you've got 14 other episodes count them one four other episodes to catch up on and a month to do that so uh so do that and we'll be back with you very soon here's uh here's a a, the last song from ted fox all right thanks a lot john uh this one is called i love my dead wife Ah. Uh-huh.
locked me out the closet to pray as the earth went up in flames you said it should 